So here's the question. How do independent adjusters and appraisers like us, who can't hide behind corporate logos, processes, and profits, who are spending our own money and reputation, how do we work in a way that lets us get work, assignments, deployments, and more income without wasting time or money in this world of insurance while we stand out in the crowd? That is the question, and this podcast will help guide you to the answers. My name is Chris Stanley, and this is the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Join myself and other independents on the path to non-corporate success in the insurance industry. We are IAs. Hello and welcome to the Independent Adjuster Podcast. I am your host and your guide, Chris Stanley. Today, my guest is Tim Davis Jr., the president of SCA Appraisals. SCA is one of the largest independent auto appraisal companies in the nation. Tim's father, Tim Davis Sr., founded SCA back in the 70s. So what you're going to hear is a lot of experience and perspective wrapped up in this interview. I personally have worked with a lot of the major IA companies, and SCA is no exception. My time with SCA as an I was a pleasant experience. My wife and I had just had our second child, and we learned the day he was born that the company we were working for had collapsed, taken all the money, and that we personally would not be receiving the money we were owed. At that point, we had to make a change real fast. So we reached out to multiple companies, including SCA, and they used me as an IA, even though I'd shut them off every week when I ran out of gas money. I just work and work and work till I ran out of money, and I say, sorry, I can't take any more claims. Uh, they also helped me with my Auditech subscription and were instrumental in helping my wife and I get back on our feet during one of the most financially stressful times of our life. So I want to thank SCA and Tim Davis for that personally. Now, if you're interested in getting started as an IA, I'm sure it feels like it's so expensive and sometimes impossible to get trained and equipped. Well, at IAPATH, we created a membership to help you get the training that you need without breaking your bank. So I'd like to tell you all about it. Roll the tape. We're known by many names and faces. When they call, we answer. And what they start, we finish. As we write, it's for truth and justice. We represent hope to those who have experienced loss and support to the overwhelmed. We are loved by some, but hated by more. We are the vigilantes of the insurance industry, and we are IAs. We are needed now more than ever by an industry that's fighting for its life. And together we form the League of IAs. Join the fight at LeagueofIAs.com. 
So the League of IA's membership is $50 a month and will unlock all of our self-paced courses and training. Also give you discounts in the industry, including a 20% saving on your adjuster licensing classes. Now that's pretty cool. So now it's time to call and to talk with Junior. That is Tim Davis Jr. Good morning, FTA. This is Tim speaking. Hey, Tim. It's Chris Stanley with the Independent Adjuster Podcast, sir. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show today. Oh, my goodness. Good morning to you, and thank you for having me, Chris. Well, I appreciate you being here. I know you're a busy man, but for those who may not know who Tim Davis is or who SCA is, why should anyone care to hear what not only you have to say, but to hear about your story? Why should anybody care? Um, Okay. Um, Well, okay. I am, again, my name is Tim Davis. I'm the Chief Operating Officer here, uh, the Chief Operator of SCA Appraisal Company. And um, we, uh, let me think, we operate, SCA completes probably about 400 in the neighborhood of 400,000 appraisal inspections annually. So that's about 30 to 35,000 per month. And uh, all that work gets distributed through regionalized IAs, um, you know, many of which operate under SCA's license name, their franchise owners. Um, so we've been in business about 40 years. And so I think we, uh, I think I offer a pretty unique perspective uh, that I'm eager to share with your listeners this morning. And one part that I think uh, is very unique about when we get into your story is that you didn't start off as an executive. You started off as a part of a family and so i think that plays in to the story that we're about to hear so okay so like the way i got started in this industry it's important to know i'm a second generation owner operator of sca um so the story of sca is really it's it's a family story um and certainly the business started in in 1979 so certainly in those days it was very much a family affair uh, in the 70s, uh, late 70s, early 80s, even into the 90s, uh, my mom and dad, they were focused on building a, uh, an extremely strong California-based regional appraisal company. And um, it was most certainly a family affair, Chris. Um, I mean, I remember, you know, I was born in 1974, so I remember, you know, in those early, you know, in, the, in those late 80s, I would come home from school, Chris, and my job, you know, would be to you know, get on my bike, you know, this was the 35 millimeter days where you'd have to develop your photos and go back on. My job would be to get on my bike, go there, get the photographs from my dad so that he could get started with his afternoon paperwork. You know, this was probably about circa 1985, maybe even a little bit earlier. And, uh, and my mom and dad ran this business and they did it, they did it together and built this business together. So, you know, fast forward, uh, into the late 90s, I graduated from college in about 1997, late 1997. Uh, I did a short stint in politics, and then I went to work for Progressive Insurance Company in 1998. And I was there for four years until 2002. And just like literally, I, I always say I feel like I got a master's degree working at Progressive Insurance Company. It was uh, it was in, incredible tactical and um, and on job training. So. It was it was really good stuff for me. Uh, 2002, 
I came to work for SCA, and believe it or not, it's for me, I, I have a tough time believing that was 16 years ago that I joined SCA as an employee. Uh, and I uh, came into the MD department, and, you know, and just a quick wrap-up here, you know, over the last 16 years, I've been a big part of the leadership team that has scaled SCA and, and, and led us through some pretty dramatic growth years. Um, uh, you know, that have uh, uh, put us in the position that we are. I've worked with a pretty dynamic leadership group over here. So, yeah, that's a little bit about my story about how I got started here. Wow, that's a that's a long journey for you as an IA because it goes so much deeper than a lot of us are just kind of stumble upon this industry. But this industry truly was basically bred into you from the early age. I love that picture of little Timmy, I'm going to call you Timmy, on the bike, picking up the photos and bringing them home. With that, then you've not only seen your dad and the family, you've seen yourself and you've seen you QC'd, so you've seen lots of other appraisers' estimates and everything, and yeah. you've experienced it yourself. So when you look at that, look at it as a whole, You, we could say that Tim Davis Jr. has been successful. And I hear that you guys are affectionately called the Tims between you and your dad. So the Tims have been successful as an IA. So what makes an IA, what is that characteristic that you've observed throughout your years uh, yeah. of, of a successful IA? Yeah. And you know what, Chris, I'm, but I, something, I, I want to add something to the previous question, and then I'll jump into that one because I have some great, as far as the, the, the characteristics of being a successful IA, I've, I've got, I, I definitely have a strong uh, belief system around that. But, you know, when, we, when I talked about my mother and father starting this business in the 80s and what I observed through my entire youth and into my teenage years, you know, when you fast forward to 2008, SCA established a franchise. And the intention of what we strive for in that franchise is to try to model what my parents created in those in those early 80s uh, when when SCA was Southern California appraisal company. So a lot of you know um, you know after I got my feet wet you know in in getting started in the IA business that duplication and bringing a team together and all of us saying how can we duplicate this? This is a powerful model. This is this is a slice of the you know, and, and SCA was not, you know, we were still a successful, very small company, but a successful one um, and that had a great foundation to build upon. But the franchise concept was saying, how can we build that model and how can we look at what my parents were doing in the early 80s and how can we make it so that so that we can duplicate that and bring more people and bring uh, and bring more, you know, worthy candidates and participants um, into that network? You know, and that, um, so yeah, that was kind of coming full circle and saying, this is so wonderful. I'm so blessed to have been able to observe this. How can we duplicate this? And that was, you know, and that was our franchise model. And that, and that is, that, that's been the number one objective and reason that we went to franchising. So, but, but jumping, but jumping back to the question of, what do I believe is the number one characteristic uh, of being an IA? That, that was the question, Chris? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I'll tell you, right, uh, without even much thought on that, being able to, to – keeping promises and commitments. It is Integrity is, is absolutely paramount, number one. You have nothing without integrity. And, you know, and specifically, 
you know, and I don't mean that in, a, in, in grandiose terms, but in very specific for, uh, terms, business whether we're in the uh, independent appraisal business or, or, or whether we were, you know, selling widgets here, everything comes down to business comes down to making agreements and being impeccable with, with our word, small and big commitments are everything uh, agreements. We can call it commitments. You know, when you get into bigger business, those commitments turns in, turn into agreements and contracts, but ultimately what it really comes down to is being impeccable with your word. And, uh, you know, and treating every word that comes out of your, uh, out of your mouth as a promise. Oh, that's and a hard that one is, right there. That's where I think uh, oh my gosh. slide because we just say something or what, and we, we, we don't, we didn't process that all the way out. Yeah. And it just, it just comes out. It just comes out and we don't, we can't bring it back in, but we don't take that as what the other person does. Yeah. And you can apply that to marriage or anything that happens all the time anything. repetitively. Uh, that, this is, it's so true. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But being impeccable with our word is the most important thing of all. Having integrity, and again, you know, this is a tough one. But treating every word that comes out of our mouth as a promise, and um, you know, that's always a work in in progress on the small things, on the small things, because we, um, you know, because we're human beings and we've got it, and we. But that is the a number one, the most important thing. If I was going to put um, a couple of, of other, uh, of, you know, just another one that's, that, that was ingrained in me, you know, significantly from a very young age is, you know, um, or maybe a little bit of background just, you know, and I'll be quick about it. But, you know, when my dad started with this business in, in the late 70s, he worked at farmers. And when he would watch the IAs come in, too often they would come in dressed so casually, you know, in a T-shirt or you know, in tennis shoes or shorts or, you know, just something that, and especially in those days, in those days, people wore suits. And so, you know, uh, the, the first thing that was, you know, that was really, you know, that, that, that I know is a core value in, um, I don't know if it's a core value as much as a, as much as a best practice, but how you present yourself is so important. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, Back in the day, you'd go out in a shirt and tie. That's not necessary today. But how you dress and how you present yourself is is so important in how people view you and how seriously they take you. Um, that is, um, you know, that so so you know. Back in the day, of course, it was a shirt and tie. Now it's not a shirt and tie anymore. But you know, wearing a shirt uh, uh, and you know, a, a if you're a franchise owner, wearing a branded SCA shirt. Uh, being, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, tucking your shirt in, looking like a professional, um, and, uh, um, and it's just how much more serious the repairers take you, uh, um, how much more confidence you give the vehicle owner when you present yourself in a, in a professional way. Optics are important. Visuals are important. Absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, and if you're not dressing the part, if you aren't presenting yourself professionally, you aren't going to be treated professionally, and you're not going to be able to control the process nearly as effectively. Um, don't go out there in casual clothes. Go out there looking like a professional, and you will find that you are treated like a professional. Um, yeah, and I would say the other, if I could just throw a last one on there, 
it, you have to focus on people. This is a people business. I know we write estimates on cars, but uh, you know I believe that the technical aspect of writing an estimate is probably about 20, maybe 25% of what it takes to be successful in this business. I um, love the that. other, I love you know, that. I am not alone in this world saying that. I love that. Yeah, I mean, the other 80% is treating people with respect, knowing how to communicate and build confidence, and um, you know, and recognizing that you know it's about job, it's about communication and presentation. 80% of it is about is about communication, knowing how to talk, build trust and confidence in people and letting them know that you're a person that keeps your commitment. The other part, man, that that is teachable all day long. The the practice, the the technical of being an appraiser is teachable all day long. The other, those are those are are much harder skills and inter, those are those are interpersonal skills and qualities and qualities can be harder to teach. Absolutely couldn't agree more with that. That is it's super important to view what you're doing as dealing with people and it's a people industry for sure. So with with those characteristics that define a successful IA with integrity, you know, looking the part, being professional basically, and then also, you know, treating it as a people business, treating people like people. What has the greatest challenge then been for you as you journeyed through these years at being an IA? For for me, both both as as an auto damage appraiser and as an executive, uh, one of my biggest challenges because I know how important it is, and it's it's true in my job that I perform daily, and it's true for the IA that's out in the field as well. Um, but I see it as the most important, and that's making sure that the person that I'm talking to feels like the most important person in the room, and that is my highest priority. Um, that's how. Um, you know, in dealing with repair facilities, I don't care if it's a repair, definitely if it's a vehicle owner, uh, and certainly if it's an adjuster or a client, but really we have to identify everybody as our customers, not just the people that give us the work, not just the clients. Our true customer is the vehicle owner and even the repair facility, treating the repair or the body shop as your customer as well. And, um, you know, they is, you know, trying to serve so many, so many masters in this process is very, very difficult um, because I try to treat the repair facility and I, and I try to coach and educate our people to treat that repair facility with the highest level of respect um, and, and, and give them the communication. Um, uh, you know, and another one is making sure, especially on the IA side, Chris, is that nobody ever feels that we're in a rush. And oh, that is, it's so difficult hard. because we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what's so hard. We are, there is a rush element. We are trying to get home and get these, you know, to, to get home to our families at the end of the day. We do have to be more production intensive on the IA side of the business. But the minute anybody feels, if, if, a, if, if a vehicle owner feels that we're in a rush, we have lost our confidence and the MPS is out the window if they don't feel like they're a priority. If the repair facility feels like we are in a rush, that is probably the number one most exploited situation when, an, when a repair facility knows that we don't have the time to give this claim the attention that it needs. So, um, you know, uh, you know, so trying to, 
managed, and then of course the client making them. And I think IAs, we all do a good job of making sure that our that the clients uh, feel that they're the most important person in the room and that they're getting the service. But it can't we can't forget that obviously the vehicle owner is of even greater importance in today's day and age uh, because consumers have so many choices for for auto insurance. And uh, and the ability to switch carriers, uh, vehicle owner retention is 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 so much more volatile than it ever has been in the, in the past. But not forgetting the repair facility. Um, yes, we do. Our job is to uh, repair facility. Sometimes even be adversarial if if uh, if something is 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 reaching point of impasse and and they're being unreasonable. But um, but treating them with re- with respect is. Uh, I think that is is just the answer to deal with any sort of difficult uh, human interaction. Um, So now with all these different clients and customers, you know, we have so many different aspects here to this job. And that's why I truly believe, you know, all these IAs, all of us are are like superheroes. We have to have so many different skill sets. It's not just, uh, we're not just one trick ponies by any stretch of the imagination with all these. And one thing, when we were talking the other day is you were really excited and kind of, I'm kind of transitioning to the topic now um, of the challenges that come out of one of the most challenging situations in our industry is hail and that you were really excited about what you guys are doing at SCA in terms of how you guys handle those challenges, handle the different, um, different facing clients and customers. So I kind of wanted to give you some time and kind of you know, expect a conversation out of this of, you know, kind of what are you guys doing over at SCA this year that's different than in the years past that not only the IAs can look forward to, but also maybe your clients and just the way you guys are going about things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let, let me tie a bow because that's a, especially right now because we are going in. They say the hail, uh, hail system officially starts March 1st. And we're already getting smatterings of, of hail occurrences happening in East Texas. So we're off to the races here. We're definitely off to the races. But let me tie a quick bow, a quick bow on the previous question when we were talking about the challenges. Um, the positive is yes, they are challenges. Um, you know, trying to serve so many people and keep so many people happy and so many people effectively communicating for, for a claim to go forward. But I will say this. If you don't take tremendous gratification when things go right, you might not be right for this business. Because I know that when everything works right, when we, you know, when when all the pieces are firing, how successful uh, that that the feeling of success and 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 how gratifying that is to me as as the professional or as the worker. Um, you know, see, you know, if if that doesn't give you a thrill when everything goes right. Um, and when you have everybody working in, 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 you know, symbiotically with each other, um, I mean, that, that, that is, um, you know, it's so gratifying. So, so gratifying. So, yeah. yeah and I um, get that from you all the time in our conversations and in this, and even in just answering the last question before you tied the bow, I think no one's ever going to think, oh man, you know, t- Tim finds this all just to be a challenge. It, it comes out from you. You enjoy yeah. the people in the process. You don't just enjoy yeah. the process. You enjoy people. the people. You know, it, it, yeah. it just comes out from you. So, all right. So 
let's get into this. You got to love people more than cars. That's for sure. You got to yes, love people absolutely. more than cars. Oh, that's a good one. I, I like that. I'm going to make a post about that. Just have a nice little picture of a car with Tim Davis saying, got to love people more than cars. Love it. <laughs> All right. So what are you guys doing oh. for this hail season? What, what are you doing oh, about man. this massive challenge? We're doing a lot differently, Chris. We're doing a lot differently. So, so the main type of hail situations that we're dealing with this year is we're, we're um, single vehicle hail inspections, uh, personal line policies. That's been pretty much right down the pipe what we've been handling. What we're doing a lot more of this year is dealer open lot inspections, um, managing inspections for insurance companies that insure dealership lots across the country. And so we're really excited to be doing more of that, um, uh, of that more high-scale you know, high scale um, um, uh, um, hail work. So when it comes to individual, we're also so and the and we're also doing drive-in inspections um, and figuring out where the right place is. 2016, Chris was a nightmare for all. Okay, the weather was for the we had tremendous weather. Uh, the hail was intense, especially in 2016. And to be really honest with you. What drove the major changes in how we're handling hail is that we feel that SCA did a um, well. I I I don't think we we did a horrible job managing hail in 2016. We got in over our heads. We had inventory stacked up through the roof, um, and after that hail season, we felt that we did some damage to our brand, and we said if we are to um, uh, to mend this. We've got to really take a close look at how we're managing hail and how we're going to do this um, moving forward. Yeah, and so, is such a huge situation for carriers and and for the customers because it's so many people affected in a small area. It's just so many claims all at once. It's yeah, and so what you know what we did was is we and well, let me tell you what we did wrong first is that we handled everything traditionally in 2016 the way we would handle a typical collision claim. Yeah, we were floating in resources from all over the country uh, that were, you know, to give the workforce there. But ultimately, you have, when I say traditional, I mean appraiser out there lining up because of the, the density of these claims. They'll get out there, they'll see 20 cars, 15, 20 cars, which obviously isn't the norm, but in a hail situation where you've got the density, they're out there, they're inspecting these cars. And then they're in a hotel room because they're deployed in and they're writing work all night long. And then pretty soon you've got appraisers that are sitting on enormous inventories and we've got very upset clients. We have appraisers that are, that are radically overworked and um, an SCA really stuck in the middle trying to figure out how to, how to broker this absolute, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, gridlock at moments. So that's what we needed to cure. How do we fix this? How do we how do we how do we speed the pace? How do we process inventory faster? How do we create a better experience for our for our independent appraisers and franchise owners that are out there? Um, and um, and ultimately, how do we make sure that this work isn't getting backlogged? Um, and so here's our our methods. Uh, one is the on-site writing. Um, this is where, you know, we have our appraisers equipped with tablets now. They're using the, the Auditex PDR matrix that allows them to on-site write. These are great where we have lots of vehicles lined up, um, where we can go through. There's multiple vehicles. We can, uh, we can go from vehicle to vehicle, and it allows us to 
get the, the audit tax uh, matrix filled out in, uh, uh, in audit tax, so it's not just a form, um, and actually being able to process and get, and get those claims. Uh, if, if it isn't completed 100% of the field, we have, uh, we have an in-house appraisal team that is working to, um, to wrap, put a bow on the product, make sure that, uh, you know, do a quality control on it, make sure that everything is, is, is in line and making sure that we've got the in-house support, but equipping the appraisers with more than just writing traditional estimates on audit text. Um, and, you know, using the PDR tools that are in there. So 2016, we wrote everything in a standard PD, uh, in a, you know, of course, using the mate, the metric, the matrices and what have you, but ultimately it translated into a traditional, uh, in, in, in a traditional estimate generated out of Auditex. So basically you guys um, weren't fully utilizing the tools that were built into the system. So now you're saying, let's it, get back to utilizing the software more than the people and let's get them with some tablets and let's try to give them a support team so if someone needs to go in there and finish the upload these things aren't sitting for three more days till he gets back to it is am i interpreting exactly. that right okay perfect exactly and that is going to and, and we believe that in that circumstance we're going to be able to maintain normal cycle time numbers of keeping the cycle time between you know even in the in the in the situation of a of a hail crisis being able to keep those cycle times in the three and a half day range maximum, um, getting lots of them done the day, day of, you know, getting met, you know, but ultimately an average of keeping it in the realm of, 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 uh, of good cycle time where we don't have this backlogging. Gotcha. Um, number two. It, oh, go ahead, Chris. Did no, you have no, a question good. I was that? saying, gotcha. I, I like that because it's, yeah. it's a small shift. Like some people might even be thinking right now, well, great, you're, you're using a PDR matrix, but you don't understand when you have a different tool that once you get used to writing with that new tool on site, those three minutes, five minute improvements, maybe, uh, they add up. They add over, up. Over, they sure over do. 20 cars, three minutes, you just gained an hour of your day, every day back. What kind of, across, exactly. across 10, 20 appraisers, that's some serious extra time going on and so it really does start making a big dent in, into what what cycle time looks like and how cycle time has changed so i like that so what's number two number two is us uh, is having a uh, dash mobile which is our mobile application which basically is our entire management uh, or a good part of our management system the upload process the photo process the only thing our app doesn't do is of course writing the estimate but what we but what we have incorporated is an ale app uh, a hail app into uh, our SDA dash mobile system. And it allows appraisers, it's equipped with all the, the uh, matrices in the system where they photograph uh, the panel, uh, they are able to uh, count dents, populate it into our app, and it generates a preliminary uh, estimate, not, not out of Auditex, uh, a preliminary estimate, but it, but it provides a full inspection and scope sheet that allows our centralized appraisal team to take that very detailed data and transit and 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 um, transpose it into the audit text system so that we can get that out and again maintain that speed of process. So basically, you're you're providing um, almost like a digital scope sheet to where it's it's incorporated in your process. So you're not having to deviate from your screens. You're not having to deviate from the phone. You're going saying, "Hey, take your photos, write your notes, everything." 
when you're done, you're done. You're walking away from there, and that's going to your in-house team who has everything that it. they need now. And they, they know they have everything they need because they got through all the props. Am I? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and the beauty of that things. is that they can, yeah, and the beauty of that is that you've got an instant upload to the centralized appraisal team. The minute that they're done with that inspection and they hit and they hit upload from the app. We get all the images and all their information immediately. Instead so, of in our, waiting till two a.m. till the appraiser finally gets around to his stack of scope sheets and yeah. trying to organize his photos. Yeah, I like it. I think it's I think yeah. it's smart. Exactly. So, and that's so really incorporating that hybrid between centralized support, better tools in the field, <laughs> and then of course there's a final piece to what we're to what we're doing in preparation for for a, uh, a busy hail season is what we call our DART program, D-A-R-T. It stands for Deployable Appraiser Response Team. And basically this is something that goes out to our network of vendors and franchise owners that says, guys, deploying into an appraiser into a cat zone is a great opportunity. We understand the biggest fear, and I know this, your listeners definitely <laughs> Uh, I'm sure know this and, and have probably experienced this, where an appraisal firm like SCA potentially gets them out to a to a to a hail zone, and then maybe there's not as volume as much volume as they thought, or they're talked into staying an extra week and the volume has already ran off, and now they just don't have enough claims to justify the uh, um, you know the cost of them you know traveling and being away from their families. So what we do to kind of um, uh, to help to, to help address that very obvious and legitimate concern is we tell appraisers that when we ask you to deploy, they are five-day deployment segments. And in those five-day deployment segments, now they may have five consecutive five-day deployments, you know, yeah. uh, uh, um, five consecutive deployments, but we treat it in groups of five days. And what we say to that appraiser is that at a bare minimum, we are going to guarantee you 50 inspections or five inspections per day in those five-day increments. So basically, it gives them a floor. I'm not saying that we know that when hail appraisers go out, they do way more than 50 assignments a week. But what we're giving them the peace of mind of knowing is that when you go, we are guaranteeing you this amount. And even if we don't, and if, and if for whatever reason on the third week of your deployment, you don't hit that number, we will pay you the equivalent of that number because that's the commitment that we know that you need some level of assurance that, uh, that your time is going to be, um, is going to be fairly allocated well, and, and, you, and that you'll be utilized. I think that's very useful because I've had that happen to me personally. Many, 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 many times where, yeah, go to Virginia. I have 300 claims for you. Get there, and I'm lucky if I get 10 because the other two guys still have them, and I'm calling them, getting them done. They've already been inspected. I'm showing up doing double inspections, and, yeah, it's a mess. But what you're saying is, hey, no matter what, even if we mess this up, we'll, we'll be there for you. We got your back. So basically, it's like, you're building yourself uh, kind of like a cat team. You've got this back pay, and no matter what, you're at least going to have some level of cat pay uh, backing well, you from, up. You know, from our perspective, um, you know, it, we would much rather, we call it a backfill strategy, okay? And the backfilling strategy is it's really hard to pull appraisers in a storm-affected area. Everybody is busy. 
the only solution is to pull appraisers from an extended from an extended area. So you may say to an appraiser, you're going to drive, you know, eight hours. You're going to take a short flight into the area. We would rather backfill that appraiser in the area that they came from than 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 um, than engage in the very difficult task of trying to acquire more appraisers in a storm affected area. That is the you know everybody is busy. Even the even the uh, appraisers that uh, aren't the strong ones in a particular market are busy during hail season. So what, what we want to do is take the guys and usually the people that deploy and take advantage of the dark system are good appraisers that are a little bit slow in their normal area and say, you know what, why not? I'm not quite as busy right now as I could be. The other thing is we don't really let appraisers deploy that don't have really good performance statistics. We're not going to endure the risk of, of, in, of sending an IA out there that isn't showing us good historical um, uh, that isn't isn't showing us good historical uh, performance, and as well, they need to have experience writing hail because there is, as you know, Chris, there is a learning curve and there is education that needs to take place to do to do hail to do hail work and catastrophe work properly and and do a good job. Absolutely. So, can I uh, be a devil's advocate at this point and kind of throw a monkey wrench you may not see coming, just because I think it brings great dialogue and it'll bring out. I think kind of the depth of what you're really talking about. So if I'm a, if I'm a appraiser or even a client, I might be thinking, okay, great. So we're going to have the best guys in Dallas. Cause we all know it always hails in Dallas always. Yeah. So hails in Dallas. What's going to happen in mobile Alabama where the best appraiser just left. And now it, it, you know, do you guys have the good enough coverage? Do you guys have the confidence to say, no, we can pull them and we'll still be okay. And then, the daily markets, we're still going to be yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, the backfill. You know, sometimes you have to pick the lesser of two evils. It's always difficult to to deal with the vacancy anywhere, but you know, we do usually have secondary coverage. Um, the uh, um, also franchise owners usually uh, often in 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 pretty much all of them have franchise employees that work for them as well, and if they don't have the means to be able to to have their business run for a short period of time without, uh, um, uh, you, uh, with, without somebody else being able to pick up the slack, they probably aren't going to get deployed. They've got to have a contingency plan for their absence for them to be, uh, for them to be the one that we select to go into this market. And then we pay elevated rates. It's negotiable, uh, based on, uh, where the area is. Obviously you get, you know, you have people, you know, a storm happens and, uh, you know, a hail hits in Beaumont, Texas. It may be slightly a lot more cost effective to be down there than perhaps to be in, um, you know, than to be in Dallas, Fort Worth or something along those lines. So we have different deployment rates, but it is at an elevated rate. And um, it is, um, you know, we, we, we communicate with, uh, with you know, we, we negotiate based on what the need is. And we usually understand that the that the good ones cost a little bit more. You know, it all uh, it always that that is that is uh, just one of the facts of life that you know cost and quality. There usually is a um, a correlation. You need to spend more to get the the, the good guys. Absolutely, absolutely agree with that. So Tim, our interviews coming to a close <clears throat> here. Oh man! But I got to give you the opportunity. Now sure you've got some 
you've got somebody who's listening, and I guarantee there's some guys listening who may not be on your roster who previously were not, but now they're interested because, oh, they have daily claims across the country, and they also have this hail thing. This is really good potential opportunity if if I'm a good guy. So if, if somebody's listening and isn't on your roster, or if someone wants to reach out and talk with you or connect with you or SCA, what's the best way for them to go about and do that? You bet. You bet. So let me just say real quick before I, I give the contact information, Chris Stanley, I am so thankful to have talked to you this morning and to have gotten to know you over the last couple of months. And I am so impressed with, with the energy and the vitality and the passion that you brought, you know, not just to growing a business, but growing the business by trying to help people. And you have my under, my, my unwavering respect uh, for what you're doing and, uh, you're a really great guy and, and a real asset to this industry. And um, so I really thank you not only for this time to talk to you, but um, but just for what you're doing in the industry. I, I really uh, I really thank the world of what you're doing. I appreciate um, it, Tim. My pleasure. My my pleasure. The best way to get a hold of me. Let me give everybody. I'm going to give everybody my email address. I'm going to give you my uh, direct office line. Uh, my my direct email address is twp tim william paul dot davis so twp dot davis d a v i s at s c a sam charlie apple dash appraisal dot com and that's singular a p p r a i s a l dot com and then again my phone number eight one eight four five zero two seven one two Perfect, Tim. Thank you so much for being on the Independent Adjuster podcast, and uh, uh, good luck this hail season. I, and then I, maybe we can do a follow up after the hail season and go, okay, how'd it go? Uh, because I think that's great for us to look back and go. Yeah, know, let's do it. That's absolutely. Let's go back and do a do an autopsy on that uh, and do a do a review. Um, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Tim. You have a good one. Okay, bye-bye now. Take the next steps on your path to becoming an IA. Visit iapath.com slash steps to get your free guide with the first five steps to becoming an independent adjuster. Visit iapath.com slash steps.